Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Scott Stedman Podcast. I'm Scott, and with me, as always, my co-host, Micah. I got the title co-host. I'm, I'm excited. Now I'm awake and rejuvenated. It is early, but guess what? We're here. Yeah, awesome. So guys, hopefully, uh, by, the, by, the, by the time this episode is published, hopefully every, all the kinks have been worked out with our... We had to change podcast servers. So if for some reason you happen to stumble upon this one, you go, hey, I haven't heard the last three episodes. Please let me know what uh, platform you're listening it, listening in it. I can't even speak this morning. Listening on. So then I can kind of go back and see if that's been fixed or whatnot. I know if you're listening through Google Podcasts or, and some of their clients, there might be a delay. They already told me there's going to be a delay. So hopefully... Uh, by the time this episode airs, that has all been worked out. Uh, but yeah, so um, yeah, as the recording of this episode, there's been a couple of new developments. The first development, you guys may remember that back in, and Michael, you may remember this too, that uh, episode 122, uh, we discussed the definition of a minister, and that was when there was a Christian college in Massachusetts called Gordon College. Um, where they were debating if a sociology teacher who's a professor at a Christian college is technically a minister and falls under a bunch of different minister license categories, um, all this stuff. Um, well, it looks like the Supreme Court of Massachusetts has ruled that um, that that does not define you as a minister by being an employee of a Christian college. Uh, so that's good. <laughs> like, <laughs> like we talked a little bit about calling in that episode. So I'm glad that they're saying the at least the Supreme Court of Massachusetts is saying, yeah, sociologists are not ministers or gym teachers are not ministers. Uh, but it's who knows? It could if Gordon College wants to, they could pursue this all the way up to the Supreme Court. Thoughts? People just need to let people live their lives. And stop micromanaging every little aspect of people's lives and what they want to do and what they feel like they're called to do. I mean, Amen, <laughs> it's just, it's amazing. I, you know, regardless of what news you turn on in the morning, there's always some crazy story somewhere to this that you hear, you know, so-and-so's dog can fly. What? What? Like, why are we, you know, I think Scott, you and I were talking about this before we started recording, but like, it just feels like every single day there's some crazy story on the news that it's like a hook. It's like media, right? Like any sort of like propaganda to make people pay attention, to hear, to see, to like, mm -hmm. you know, pull their phone out and pull, you know, pull TikTok up or, or pull Twitter up and like, you know, what are the headlines? What can I like? We are so saturated with things that are going on in our country states world i mean it's got yeah. virginia i'm in ohio um but like we just we're just consumers right and yeah. it sucks because we're <laughs> we're just in this age where everything is just so accessible you know like through our phones through our mm -hmm. tablets through our computers and you know i you know i don't know like if it was <laughs> If we spent less time looking at our phones, more time studying in our Bibles and, and actually reaching people for Jesus, like imagine the impact that the kingdom of God would have. Oh, absolutely. And even just your, I mean, because at the time we were recording this episode, I mean, the Oscars were on yesterday. Yeah. And I mean, even from the moment, some then there were some moments in there that shocked me. But then the one particular moment between uh, 
a comedian and an actor, <laughs> which will remain nameless on this podcast. Um, like, I think I was probably on my phone trying to figure out, was this a work? Was this real? Was it not real? I mean, I had someone post the unedited Australian feed where you got to hear all the expletives mm -hmm. and got to see more of the reaction, got to see like when everything went to commercial, even um, there's a TikToker I follow who does a bunch of movie reviews and talks about stuff. Well, he happened to be invited to the Oscars. And even he was saying like, hey, I just want to let you know, we all thought that it was a work. And then once you saw, you know, one of the actor yelling at the presenter on stage and everything else, we kind of thought, okay, maybe this isn't a work. And then once the cameras were off air and you kind of saw everything, we realized that this was not a work. This is real. And now I really don't know what's going to happen if this actor does win best actor. So this is before uh, this particular person involved in this thing actually did win the best actor award. So yeah, but I mean, I think I was on there and I saw everything from news. Was it a work? Was it not a work? I saw memes already come out. It's just like. But, it, within, but like, back to the point of like, it, it just has to be. A, oh, yeah. Like, you know, and, and if we could take it a step further, like, you know, this isn't really what we're talking about today. Exactly. But like, <laughs> it, it just, well, it, it kind of goes hand in hand. Like if yeah. people were more, you know, in tune with what the Holy Spirit was doing and, mm -hmm. and in tune with their relationship with Jesus Christ and others, then we wouldn't be focused on things that were worldly. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, so, yeah. um, you know, I'm thinking like, you know, we talk about politics a lot. We've talked about politics in a couple of these episodes, but like the, the idea of people in Hollywood acting that way and people thinking that it's okay, regardless of the side that you, you lie on. Right. But if you or I, the normal average person, were to do that, we'd be, you know, we'd be persecuted. Like we would be mm -hmm. thrown out on the street. We our lives would be ruined, right? Oh, like yeah. if you like into the workforce or into, you know, society in regular society, like it just it's just ridiculous. It's just appalling that these people get that much attention just because of who they are. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and you did bring up a good point about, you know, if we were more in tune with reading our Bibles and everything, then, you know, we wouldn't have to worry about getting sucked into a worldly culture and kind of be obsessed or whatever with the with the rhythms and the ebb and flow of this world, which kind of goes to our topic today, which we're going to talk about biblical inerrancy. Now, biblical inerrancy seems like it's a fancy word. So how would you, if, if, uh, if someone was to ask you, Micah, what is biblical inerrancy? How would you uh, break it down to them? Um. <laughs> <laughs> no I, i'm just trying to like choose my my words uh well i feel like if someone asked me that i'd have to sit there and really think about okay how do i explain this to somebody <laughs> well i was thinking like what you believe the bible says mm. right is a good way to, to to frame that but like when i look it up online it says noun lack of error info i can't even say this word the belief that the bible is free from error in matters yeah. of science as well as those from faith and so like you know back to my premise like 
what do you believe the Bible says and why, right? Like yeah. inerrancy, biblical inerrancy is what you believe the Bible says in your own, you know, definition for lack of a better term. Yeah. And, and I would, I would say that too. I mean, I think some people would say that, you know, the, if people aren't saying biblical inerrancy, they will say words like, well, the Bible is infallible, meaning that there's no errors, that everything that is written in the Bible is true, that there's no contradictions, that everything is okay, PG. Everything is, you know, kosher. Um, so, but you bring up a good topic because you even say, you know, it, it kind of also goes back to one's interpretation because if you think about well if the word of god is infallible then why is it that we could have three different views of eschatology yeah why do why can we have different views of discipleship you know there's certain things that we can look at um even even things like how do you deal with how do you deal with kind of dealing with difficult people? Like kind of our conversation before we jumped into that, you know, you can look at the old Testament and it says, this is how you deal with it. And yet you could go to the new Testament and it says, this is how you deal with it differently. Um, well, and even the conversation of like what Bibles are, mm. you know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm looking at my desk, right? I have a, a new living translation. Uh-huh. I have an English standard version. Shout out to Steve Roby. He loves ESV. Um, but like, you know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, there. You know, some people are like, it's 2022, Scott, and some people are still like King James only. Well, I remember I was I was at a church in what church was it? It was the church in Ohio. We had a library, so I was going through all the books, and we we're putting new books, and I'm kind of like reorganizing everything because it was just like. It was almost like their library was, oh, someone donated books, so we're just going to throw them in some bookcases and leave them at that. So I went through there, and I remember, because it's funny that you say Steve Roby loves the ESV, because, I mean, you and me, we both are good uh, friends with Steve. But I remember there was a little pamphlet, a little book that talked about how the ESV was from the devil, and we should not be reading the ESV because it wasn't the KJV. And I'm thinking what in the world is this like someone actually published this book <laughs> like but yeah like you go back to translation and and even like when you look at certain words like there's a difference between i think it's the king james version where you read the birth of the the you know the birth of jesus christ and you see that mary was a young woman in the KJV, you could go to the NIV and it says that Mary was a virgin. And yet those two English translations and how they translate that Greek word has caused a lot of people to go, what, 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 like, like, like what, like it says young woman, it says virgin, like what's going on here? Like there's a contradiction. And it's like, and sometimes I think, well, no, not really. You have to understand the Greek word. But I think the average churchgoer doesn't really, is not going to take the time to study Greek um, words and sentence structure and all that stuff to really understand the fruitfulness of our Bibles. And I had a professor one time tell me that when you translate, when you translate something from a 
a book from one language to another, you usually will start to lose about 10% of content. And you, most of the content's always going to be some of the emotional things, some of the things that you wouldn't understand because it's cultural. It's more of how this particular culture wrote about emotions or sometimes even some of the jokes or anything like that, like where us Westerners wouldn't understand if we were reading something that was written in a Eastern or a Middle Eastern culture. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I it's we were talking in seminary when I was in seminary about like the whole King James Bible debate about like the Dead Sea Scrolls and how inaccurate the King James version actually is. And so it mm -hmm. kind of reminded me your your uh, conversation there reminded me a little bit about yeah. you know well, how 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 caught up people get in and translations and stuff like that. But like the message is sa the same like across the board. It's just maybe the wording may be a little bit different. Yeah. And, and the other interesting thing too, with the, and again, this isn't a, this is an episode of let's talk about the King, King James version and why it's bad. But I mean, I even had a professor who talked about, you know, yeah, the King James version has its heirs ever. There's been more papyruses and findings um, since the King James version was published that, um, that really shows a lot of things. And even if you look at the original 1611 King James version, it's like, I mean, there's times where King James himself has written himself into, and you can look at some of those passages and go, oh, wait a minute, this is it, this is weird. But yeah, it's 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 fascinating how much people can get so bent out of shape of translations. But I think even more so, it's you know, when we talk about going back to the topic of biblical inerrancy, regardless of what translation we use, there's some people who they believe that what they believe about the Bible is inerrant. And sometimes I think when we look at some of those conversations, sometimes those could even be not as um, not as infallible as what they think. Uh, for an example, um, there's sometimes where people can say, well, the Bible says this, and it's written in this particular passage. And because it's written in this particular verse, in this particular section, then I'm going to believe this is true, and that's the statement that I'm going to make. I feel like if there was a um, like a spreadsheet or a calculation to uh, what would be the top verse quoted, what do you think it would be? Say that again. I'm sorry. <laughs> so like if somebody made like somebody made like a spreadsheet, right? Yeah. And like it was the top ten verses that people quoted in and out of context. What would be the number one verse? Do you think? Um. <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble because I know a lot of people who play sports use this verse all the time out of context, but I'm going to say Philippians 4.13. Yep. <laughs> Nailed it. That was what I was, that's exactly that what I was That was, I mean, I mean, I get it. I, I mean, I get it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, but if we look at it in context, we're not talking about winning football games or winning volleyball matches <laughs> or like a physical strength, right? Like I can do strength. all things through Christ who gives me strength. Yes. Christ gives you strength through the spirit, through um, your relationship with him. But I think that <laughs> physical strength, I don't know. Yeah. And I think, My, like, me, well, I think John three sixteen would probably be a close second. Ooh, <laughs> but like, but like it's a gospel message in like a, a verse, which is fine. Yeah. But like, I feel like people quote that a lot. Yeah. And not really fully understand about the the sacrifice and the the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. 
Well, even even in even kind of the jump on that, not only just like people using verses out of out of context, but even how people can use even if people were and let's just say like, you know, just for the sake of argument, because I know I'll get a bunch of flack back on my opinion about this. But let's say the key verses that people use to talk about what's going to happen during the end of days. I mean, we have three different theologies of how it's going to be. We have premillennialism, amillennialism, and postmillennialism. And each of them have their verses that they use to support their, you know, their end times theology. And yet, even if we say they're using those verses correctly, still we have three different views of how things are going to play out at the end of days. And then there's a part of me that goes, well, Jesus says that no one knows the time or the hour that the son of man or Jesus, or he's going to come back. It's going to come back like a thief in the night. So. Well, and see, like, like one of my, <laughs> I feel like I should rename this episode, like on the fly, but like the top verses that people, you know, <laughs> take out of context. But like yeah. one of my favorite is uh, favorites is Philippians two. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, 2 verse 12, where it says to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Uh, for it is God who works in you both to will and work with for his good pleasure. But my favorite part of that passage, Scott, is the very next verse. Guess what the verse says? Do all things without grumbling or questioning. Yeah. So, like, you got people talk a lot about, you know, And taking stuff out of context or believing something like this, believing something like that. But the end goal should be Jesus and a relationship with Jesus. And so, like, you have to understand scripture. And if it means reading a version like the New Living Translation or reading a version like the New International Version, like where the wording isn't as difficult to read as the King James Version, mm-hmm. then if that gets them to heaven and that gets them to be with Jesus, then I'm all for it. Yeah. And, and even even when I think about the whole idea of biblical inerrancy, you know, I feel like there's a and I'm going to use this this a weird analogy. It's going to be the difference between me looking at a window and looking through a window, because even if I'm looking at the window, I can still see what's outside. But I'm looking at, you know, the wood. I'm looking kind of at the glass. But if I'm looking through the window, then that's when I get to see kind of the beauty. That's when I get to see all the different things and even through all the different seasons I'm seeing outside inside my home, I'm not going to be subjected to the bitter cold or anything like that. And, and I bring that up because I think that sometimes like when you look at verses, like, and again, may get some issue, may lose some followers on this one, but the idea of, well, women should be silent in church. And we use that verse saying, well, women don't have a place in ministry. They can't be lead pastors. They cannot uh, teach um, older men. And wherever you fall on that, part of me goes, okay, I can use that verse and I can see how someone could use that verse and say, okay, women cannot be in ministry, period. They're not allowed to be lead pastors. And yet I look at the Bible as a whole and how many women had leadership roles and were effective from Deborah to um, to the many women disciples. And even if you look at people like Phoebe and, and um, Lydia 
Like when you look at those, and even when Paul's writing letters and when he's thanking people, especially at the end of, um, I think it's at the end of 1 Corinthians when he's thanking people, he's thanking a bunch of women um, for their ministry in the way they're doing to build up the church. And I'm thinking, okay, how can we take one verse and say, this is the way it is, and then ignore the theming and the stories of countless women throughout the Bible in the 66 books we see that really yeah. kind of contradict what one verse says to this one particular church in this one particular setting for this one particular purpose. Yeah. I mean, it's, we're pretty messed <laughs> up the church, aren't we? Oh, <laughs> I mean, I seriously, mean, like, it's just amazing. And you and I were talking a little bit about it before we started, but like, it's just, it's incredible. Like, how we get so stuck on certain things. Yeah. And, and, and here's the thing, like if someone thinks that and they believe, well, you know, women shouldn't teach men. Okay. You know, but don't say, well, the Bible says this, so that's just the way it has to be because obviously there's other points in the Bible where, I mean, if the women can't teach men, then why was Deborah, I'm going back to an Old Testament um, prophecess, why was she giving advice and teaching all of Israel? I don't think she was just teaching to the women so that they could go back and tell their husbands what to do. I think she was even teaching men too and talking to men and everything else. Plus she had a higher commander and she was even bossing Barack around. Um mm -hmm. With stuff like that, and even though she wasn't the one to kill the evil king whose name escapes me, that was Jael, but with a tense take. But we look at that and it's like, well, wait a minute. Like, you can't just say, well, I believe in biblical inerrancy, so this is the way it has to be. And it's like, well, what do you mean by inerrancy? Because it doesn't necessarily seem like you're kind of taking the scripture black and white you're kind of basically saying well this is my interpretation mm -hmm. and this is how i see things and i think it so i think it's very easy for us to say well the way i see the bible is the right way because it's an errant and yet within that context really it's about our interpretation of how we read the text based on where we come from our culture our training on how to read the scriptures um, the denominations we're a part of and how the Sunday school teacher and the pastor, how they're interpreting it and how they're communicating it that to all of us, whether good or bad, you know, there's a lot of things that shape us on how we read the Bible. And I think it's very important for us to really think critically and go, well, why do I believe this? Is it because this is exactly what the scripture says? Is that what, but you even said something earlier, Michael, you said, um, you know, it's about being connected to Christ. It's about following Jesus. And for me, when I read the Bible, I have to think about, okay, how does this story fit into the overall picture of what the kingdom of God is? What are kingdom people like? You know, how, how do you read these things into that shapes us? And if I believe that if I'm reading this and this is the way I need to interpret it, because at the end of the day, it's going to help strengthen my relationship with God and empower me to go and teach others how to have that relationship with God and be part of the kingdom of God. And this is the way of life we live as kingdom people, then that should always be the lens that I'm mm -hmm. looking at 
Genesis through Revelations through. Yeah. It's uh good stuff. Uh something that I was, you know, not gonna get caught up on it, but like the whole like I'm not gonna go to you know, read the book of Leviticus or read the book of numbers and take that literally, because you got to mm. think of that kind of like in a historical context, right? Like you have to think of it like at the time, the times that they were living, where they were living and how they were living. And, um, the whole, like the tattoo thing, tattoos are very popular today. Like mm-hmm. if we're not <clears throat> going to get into heaven because we have tattoos, then, man, there's going to be a lot of people they aren't going to heaven right like in leviticus it says don't mark your body right but yeah. actually people take that, t- that uh, t- what i'm saying scott is people take that scripture out of context they take oh, it yeah. out of context meaning like uh what the scripture says is don't mark your body in memory of the dead meaning the people that were you know during that time right like don't make a marking does that make sense what i'm trying to yeah. say like yeah. it just you know people today take like i've not heard it for a long time but like it just seems that people were taking something as simple as that out of the out of context you know biblical back to the conversation of biblical inerrancy yeah and and it's interesting too because at the bakery i work at there's a tattoo shop in the same account and it's run by two christians and they even have like a christian name for ta- like like some type i think it's like anchor anchor tattoos so it has some type of theming like or lighthouse tattoos. I don't know. I can't remember the name of it, but it has some type of, and even has like a scripture. And even that, like when I think about when I read the Bible, we also have to remember that each, that each section of the Bible, I mean, we could see it as old Testament, new Testament, but even in the new Testament, we have the gospels and then we have the epistles in the old Testament. We have the Torah we have the historical books, we have the, we have the wisdom literature. And that's the same thing. Like if I'm reading and I know some people, you know, they think, well, Job was a real person, but I'm like, but Job's also part of the wisdom literature section. So if Job could be real, but if Job's not real, then that's okay because this is still in wisdom literature. So it's more of a old Israelite wisdom story to help people understand the nature of God. And especially if you look at the three books in the wisdom literature, you have Proverbs, which is, if you do good things, good things will happen. If you do bad things, bad things will happen. Then you go to the book of Ecclesiastes, which is like, hey, everything's meaningless. Even all the good, even though I've subjected myself to all the good things and all the pleasure, it was emptiness. It was just Mm -hmm. vanity. And then you get to the book of Job, where here's the most righteous man. Here's the most righteous man. And God's telling the devil, yeah, Job, he's never going to turn his back on me. He's the most faithful, righteous dude in the world. And then here's this righteous man. Bad stuff happens to him. Even his friends are saying, well, hey, you must have did something bad because all this bad stuff's happening to you. And Job's like, no, I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't sin. I didn't do anything bad. And then all of a sudden, it's like it kind of contradicts, and even that contradicts what we read in Proverbs. If you do good things, good things will happen. Bad things, bad things will happen. And then you have Job, which basically contradicts that whole wisdom literature. So that's why we can't really say, well, when we talk about biblical inerrancy, it's like, well, 
if you look at everything in that section and you understand the whole theme of wisdom literature and how there how things how there's an ebb and flow there's something that's very beautiful in it if we even understand all of that um and i even heard something and i think that's what makes the bible so interesting because even now at you know 40 years old and i became a christian in my teen years so it's been at least 30 years that i would say i'm a christian that every time when i read the bible there's always something more than i'm finding even if it's the same verse i've read a bajillion times i'm finding more and more interesting meat. stuff in there i'm finding more meat and even with me working on my paper i have to write a paper on my pers- my doctorate project but then i'm kind of looking at it through a cultural lens you know how, d- does this say anything to how to minister to people of different cultures and even something like foot washing john 13 looking at it through a different lens looking at it through a migrant lens looking at it through a catholic lens looking at it through a historical lens and seeing how people have viewed foot washing over the years that's different from my tradition it's just fascinating it's just fascinating on how much wealth of stuff i'm finding just by digging into a just one chapter in the book of john and just the wealth i'm getting from that yeah and people freak out about some of that stuff these days (laughs) oh yeah oh yeah i mean I mean, it's, uh, I just feel like we could go all over the place with this we episode. Could, we could, like, but, it just. But I, yeah. Not good. No, I was thinking. I mean, I'll just say one last thing, just to kind of sum up on you know biblical inerrancy and kind of the idea that it's not necessarily, you know, that the Bible is without flaws. Because I do believe that the Bible is without flaws, but I think where the flaws come from is within our own interpretation. Mm-hmm. of how we view biblical inerrancy and i mean i can remember being in seminary for my masters of divinity and we had to take hermeneutics which is for those who don't know what hermeneutics are it's basically the art of bible study it's basically how do you look at the bible how do you study the bible and look at it from a textual point of view a historical point of view a social economic point of view a cultural you basically take all these different elements of the bible and understand it so that when you're reading the text you now have a the best understanding of what this text is trying to say and we got to choose our verses and i know there's this one female in our class who basically did a verse that kind of was always used to kind of say, well, you're not called the ministry because you're a woman. Like God doesn't call women to the ministry um, to be pastors or any type of church leader. And I can remember we were done. We submitted our papers and the professor said, okay, what did you learn? And literally this woman was fighting back tears. You could just see the range of emotion on her face. And she said, you know, I did this verse, I went through it, thinking it was just going to cement everything that I've been told from her pastor, from other people at the church. And she goes to say, I'm so angry because this verse has been used as a weapon to deny the calling that God had put on my life that I have been rejecting for years because I was told that it was not true. Mm. 
And that, that was powerful. When I hear people use scripture to justify abuse within the church, that's powerful. So I think when it comes to biblical inerrancy, do I believe that the Bible is without errors? Absolutely. I think that the contradictions or the errors that people may pull out or see is really based on how it's being used and how it's being interpreted. Mm-hmm. And we just kind of put it under the umbrella, the umbrella of biblical inerrancy when really it's interpretation. Yeah. And, and I think you have to like back to that verse about working your own salvation. Like we're not talking mm-hmm. about salvation specifically in this moment, but I think that you have to like, um, similar to working out your own salvation, you have to work out your own understanding of what the Bible means. And what a better way to do that than to get in a life group, to get in a Bible study with somebody, to get in, you know, uh, uh, you know, a couple, you know, pastors, meet other pastors and just talk about, talk about scripture, talk about like, what series are you doing? Why, why are you doing that series? Why do you feel like it's important? What are you really digging into to, to, to make under, you know, pe- sorry, to make people understand what that scripture means and why. Right. And I think, you know, to take it a step further, like <clears throat> the gospel is one of the most simple and profound things you can ever read. Mm-hmm. Right. It's not hard. Jesus's teachings were not hard. And I think that, you know, the, the Pharisees and stuff made it out to be something super complex and super complicated when it didn't need to be. And so I think the same goes for the Bible. Like you have to like, really dig deep and i'm not saying hey scott you and i've been to seminary but like i'm not saying you have to read or write an exegetical paper on you know moses and the burning bush which by the way i've done um but why did that happen you know dig deeper right get a study bible get you know get in a group of people that are studying the same text as you are and really break that down and have a better understanding of what God's doing and what God's trying to explain to you in your own walk and journey. Am I, am I saying you're going to know this book cover to cover and know absolutely everything that's going to happen or why it's happening? Or like, why did, why did Saul have, you know, 1600 concubines? I mean, that was the way of culture back then. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, but it was just, you know, and there was a war going on. Like, do I really need to know that to go to heaven? No, I need to know Jesus Christ as my savior. And I think, yeah. And I think the other important thing too, is I think we really need to push really diving deep into the Bible instead of trying to read the entire Bible. Yeah. Because any or push the I mean, simplicity of it. Oh yeah. Cause I mean, I've, I remember a lot of times where I think I've in youth group where we do like bingo games and one of the people's like find someone who read the entire Bible. And it's like, you know, and I think I found like two people and it's like, well, I could read through. I mean, I've read through the entire Bible, but at the same time, like, it's not necessarily that, oh, hey, I read from Genesis to Revelations. Cool. And I'm going to do it again because I can read through everything. But if I'm not taking my shovel and digging in the word and diving deep, then all I'm doing is just sweeping across the entire Bible and I'm neglecting myself from really understanding the richness of what God is doing through his people, through broken people, through people like Job, through people like David, through people like me, through through people like you, and how that speaks to us even till today. Mm-hmm. It's a, 
I mean, it's a big book. <laughs> it's a big <laughs> book of a lot of books, right? Like it's yeah. just, you know, and some people would argue even like that Paul and, you know, the epistles, like Paul was super complicated and like Paul was a very complex man. He was very educated and he obviously went through and, you know, taught, he was the modern day missionary back then. And he taught people, you know, about Jesus and he was like the modern day church planner. And then he would go back and visit his churches. And then he would be like, what are you doing? You're messing up. You're screwing this whole thing up. Like, why have you, right. And so like, he, he goes back and then he reminds people what scripture said and he reminds people what Jesus said. And so, yeah, it's interesting. I was going to make gotta a look joke. on your face. I was going to make a Paul joke, but yeah, he did go, go back to, he, he did go back to all the churches and saying, what were you doing? Except one church he didn't go back to. That was Thessalonica. And that was the church that actually was doing great. It's just people got so caught up on oh, everyone's dying. Are they going to go to heaven or not? We don't know. And Paul's like, don't yeah, worry. They're panicking. They're good. They're panicking. He's like, don't worry, but you guys are doing great because I'm not there. <laughs> I didn't come back. <laughs> I remember when I was in seminary, I did a, a preaching class and I had to write six sermons. I had to preach two of them and I had to video one of them or something like that to give it to my professor. Um, and God bless it. Um <laughs> We, I think, I think we did first Corinthians, like everything was out of first Corinthians for that yeah. class and current is for, for your listeners. Like if, you know, we're talking about Bible study and like the inerrancy of scripture, but like, like <laughs> the church in Corinth was a pretty complicated place. Oh yeah. And there was a lot of stuff that went wrong at that church. And so, oh, yeah. um, yeah, it's, uh, it was hard. That was a hard class. Yeah. Yeah, Not I mean, only did I have to write manuscripts from a, you know, a text that it was assigned to me, I had to preach them and communicate that effectively. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. For a grade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing, like the average person, the average churchgoer is not getting a grade, uh, an academic right. grade for this. But, you know, I think, yeah, I mean, I'm not even going to go there because then that would just be silly for me to go there so i'm gonna just stop myself right there but yeah it's 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 that's the thing i think when we have to and like you said you know we when we approach the scriptures we have to kind of really work with it um we really have to struggle with it sometimes sometimes we really have to wrestle with it uh but at the end of the day you know we're gonna we're gonna be more better scholars of God's word. We're going to be, have better understanding of the complexities and the richness and the beauty of what we're reading in this book and why, and I guess why so many people still love reading the Bible, even after they may have read a book of the Bible. I mean, I knew a lady who probably has read the book of John 20 times Mm -hmm. and still finds stuff in that. I know someone who loves reading their favorite books are like Ezra and Nehemiah and can read those books over and over and over again and find richness in all that. Um, so my grandma, yeah. my grandma is one of those people. My grandma, I couldn't tell you how many times she's read the Bible all the way through mm. and just super passionate, you know, about praying and reading her Bible and when my grandfather was still alive, like they would, the first thing they did, they got up, they took their medicine and they would do like, they do devotionals where they would pray. They'd pray over their whole list of their church. They would read their Bible and they would talk about it. And I'm sure my grandfather, but uh, 
because he wanted to watch his his TV shows. But he that was the first thing they did every morning together, and that yeah. that was something to that's something I'll remember for the rest of my life because you know, yeah, very very admirable, admirable, right? And so like, but she was very educated, one of the most undereducated, educated people I've ever met as far as being a scholar in God's word. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I even think like when it comes to like, I knew a lady who was into Bible memorization and like most people would like the verses we use, like John three sixteen, um, Philippians four thirteen. you know, a lot of those verses where, you know, they're kind of like the basic verses that people memorize. And yet this woman was like memorizing like Ezekiel and Ezra and even like, um, verses from malachi and i remember she was at like a um small group where it was like a knitting group it was called our quilters group and people were talking about stuff and she'd be like oh well you know ezra ezra 2 3 says this and she's like and the people go how can you memorize the bible that that seems so hard and she goes it's really easy if you really study it and understand it and i felt like that was probably the best lesson. I feel like for me, if you like, even in Sunday school as a kid, it was hard for me to memorize scripture. I never got any prizes from a prize box for memorizing scripture, but I feel like I do better memorizing scripture now because I'm actually studying the book. Mm-hmm. And there are certain verses that I will know because I feel like that's kind of the, the pinnacle of the main theme that I'm finding within this particular chapter or or a couple chapters within this book. Like if I think about, you know, if I think about Romans, I mean, there's a lot of verses people use in Romans, but I mean, for me, it's Romans 12, one through two, like that one I can recite. And that's the one I always recite when I go to Romans. Cause I felt like, you know, this idea of being a living sacrifice and doing God's will, his good and pleasing will, like, and knowing that, like that for me is kind of the, pinnacle of everything that i've read throughout the entire book of romans from its intricacies in its first couple chapters to its application in the final chapters of that book yeah it's i don't know man like it's one of those things and i I said it earlier but like just you know i there are parts where i just love to camp and as a worship leader you know i love the psalms it's the love language of of you know david and you know some of the stuff he was going through but also like there's there's practical stuff in there to instruct people how to worship so as a worship leader i live with the psalms but also like i love the gospels and i love what you know paul wrote in the epistles but like but honestly i love church history too so like i love reading the story of moses and i love reading the story of joshua and i love reading the story of saul and and you know the different transitions and power in the kingdom in israel and it's just you know just like the church today can't really seem to get their, their acts together, you know, right. Mm-hmm. Quote unquote acts together, like Israel, you know, how many times did Israel screw up back then? So it's fascinating to me, like um, just going through the Bible and just thinking, man, like what, what is this person going through in that time? Right. Mm-hmm. And why are they going through that? And, you know, talking about God and Yahweh and, you know, what God is working through, people in the early parts of the Bible, like Moses and Joshua, and even the minor prophets of Bacchic and Amos and Nehemiah, you know, Nehemiah was going through the stuff with, uh, 
you know, everything that he went through with like rebuilding the wall and just like all the stuff. It's just, to me, it's fascinating. So like I could get lost very easily and, you know, God's word, but like, mm-hmm. as far as being kind of like stuck, you know, with one way or the other, whether this scripture is accurate or this scripture is not accurate. Like I, you know, I, I'm going to go back to, you know, work out your own salvation, your fear and trembling, right? Mm-hmm. Like Philippians too. Like you have to like, have those moments where I don't know, have a come to Jesus meeting and be like, Hey, uh-huh. what Lord, give me wisdom. You know, Solomon was a great example of that. Lord, give me wisdom. Give mm-hmm. me, give me the insight that I need to not only proclaim your word, but give, give me the wisdom to um, fully understand it. And how can I express it to others so that they can understand the same things that I understand? Yeah. Right. And that's what pastors need to do. Right. That's what pastors are doing. Right. They're like, God, mm-hmm. give me the word. Give me a fresh word. Give me a fresh uh, insight. And like you're talking about, Scott, reading scripture or the person in was it in your church? I think that they they studied and they went back and they mm-hmm. went back and they went back and they, you know, it's no different than me being a musician. Like I wouldn't be a good musician if I didn't practice. Yeah. Right? You, have to, you have to put these things into practice. And um, and then communicate them effectively i'm not saying that you're going to be a lead pastor somewhere but like you can you can be a an anchor for the you know the word of god like it's not it's not something it's like the gospels right it's not it's super complex like you just have to it's not complex sorry it's not complex it's you know just uh it's simple right and jesus is teaching mm-hmm. simple so yeah yeah we could go on and on yeah, yeah, that definitely, and I think that'll be a good kind of segue to kind of end this episode. And 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 friends, thank you again so much for listening. I hope you've really enjoyed this episode. I hope you've learned something from this episode. And and for those of you who maybe you're kind of like, well, maybe I do need to go back. Maybe I really do need to study. And maybe some of you, maybe you're like the woman in my class who, you know, there's certain scriptures you use that just felt like, man. I've been told this all my life. This is what I believe. But, you know, maybe I should go back and just kind of really research and study. And again, like, I mean, you know, there's a lot of material out there. I mean, there's a lot of stuff you can find through Google, even though I would not suggest that. But I mean, even your local libraries, you know, there's there's commentaries, there's books, even recently. I mean, I think uh, Warren Weiserby has like these like little armchair theologian books where they kind of break down. Um, certain books of the Bible by chapters and by sections. And then there's even like questions to really make you think and ask and go, okay, you know, what does this mean? And, and stuff. Um, And I went through a thing of Romans uh, with them. So, you know, those are some, so there's a lot of resources and even through your library's website, even just their databases, there's so many online journals and databases that can focus on all you have to do is type in the scripture and you could probably find a wealth of different topics where people are really diving in and studying this and kind of saying, here's what I'm able to conclude. Here's the things I'm finding within this particular verse or this particular passage or this particular chapter of this book. So again, always continue to be good stewards and good scholars of God's word. Um, Then again, thank you so much for listening. If you like this podcast, you like to support us, you can go to my coffee account ko-fi.com slash Scott Stebbin podcast. Thank you so much for listening and we'll have another episode on next week. 
Talk to you guys later. Bye. Thank <laughs> you.